just want to speak to you this morning on the subject of fruitfulness again, but making this point, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 17. I want to read the first nine verses. But just that um, fruitfulness is one of God's major confirmations of our calling and our office in ministry. If we're in God's will, doing what God has for us to do, there should be fruitfulness. And I want to have a look at that. And if there isn't, just for, have a look at why possibly it's not, we're not seeing fruitfulness anymore and what we can do about that. So let's just read together from Numbers chapter 17 and the first nine verses. And the Word of God says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and get twelve staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. On the staff of Levi, write Aaron's name, for there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral tribe. Place them in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony, where I will meet with you. The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout, and I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. So Moses spoke to the Israelites and their leaders, gave, and their leaders gave him twelve staffs, one for the leader of each of their ancestral tribes, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs between before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. The next day Moses entered the tent of the testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the house of Levi, had not only sprouted, but had budded, blossomed, and produced almonds. One translation says that it had buds, blossoms, and ripe fruit. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from the, the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. They looked at them, and each man took his own staff. The Lord said to Moses, put back Aaron's staff in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumbling against me so that they will not die. Moses did just as the Lord had commanded. Now, we all know that God has ordained us, appointed us to be fruitful. Fruitfulness is just one of God's promises to us. I've been preaching quite a lot on this more recently again but this this thing this promise of God in, in John chapter 15 verse 16 says you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit fruit that will last so God has appointed us to be fruitful and that uh, different callings you can see this here but elsewhere through the book of Acts and in the promises of God the different ministries and offices that we read of in the word of God that different ministries produce different amounts of fruit and different types of fruit in, in some senses. And uh, in John 15 verse 2, it talks about fruit in the verse 2, and then also more fruit in verse 5, much fruit, and in the 16th verse, fruit that lasts. And as Numbers 17 says in verses 8 and 9, buds, blossoms, and even ripe fruit. Number 17, really, the fifth verse, really tells us that God's confirmation, I'm just repeating myself here, but I'm trying to make this point, that God's confirmation uh, of, his, of his leadership, chosen leadership, 
and the call on our lives is the staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout. All right. But here's one of the problems. So many people start out so well. I've, I've always thanked God for every leader, everyone who's responded to the leadership call of God in their lives. Because leadership is not an easy task. There's people criticize you, complain against you. You feel yourself that you let yourself down. Uh, you all these problems that leaders face that most other Christians don't. So it's not an easy thing. So I've always thanked God when I've seen guys respond to the leadership call of God on their lives. And so many of them, they start out, most every one of them, not all, but most everyone starts out excited, enthusiastic, um, such an expectation of what God's going to do. And then you look sometime later and one after the other, they just seem to become so discouraged and get to the place where they want to quit. Now, one of the major problems is that when we start to compare ourselves with other people's, it's going to bring other people, it's going to bring discouragement to our hearts. And we cannot afford to do that. We, we can only let God be God in our lives and thank God for what He does in and through our lives, not comparing our lives with others. The Bible is very clear on that. So that is where a lot of the fruitfulness that we could have in our lives starts, starts to disappear, to, to wane and dissipate. So don't ever compare yourself with others. But moving on quickly, what happens when we cease being fruitful? Bearing in mind that we're not all equal. But God gives talents to us. Some of us he gives one talent, others he gives two, and some he gives five. I don't know where you place yourself. I know for myself I've never felt I'm a five-talent man. But I try to live in what God has given to me and done it faithfully and look to God for the fruit. All right, so be realistic about yourself and be gracious towards yourself. Don't condemn yourself. Condemnation is not from God. Conviction is from God and conviction always brings hope, whereas condemnation causes despair. So be gracious to yourself. Be forgiving towards yourself. Be generous towards yourself. As you just reassess what I'm saying here this, this morning uh, for your own life, do it with faith, not with condemnation. So there seem to be three causes that I see of unfruitfulness as I look through the Word of God. The first one is death. The second one is disease. And the third one is what I've always called drag. In other words, a hindrance. Now, just looking at those quickly, death is normally a... a God trying to show us that he's no longer in what we're doing or what's taking place. He's wanting to somehow help us to change that. Sometimes the death has come about because what we're doing has just become ritualistic. It's like rut life. It's just routine. It, it's, uh, it's misrepresenting God in that it just looks so dull so predictable and God is so unpredictable and God is so absolutely so so exciting and so creative and so God can't just let us go on and on just doing that so sometimes God it looks like there's death in our and our ministry <clears throat> through a lack of fruitfulness and it's because God is trying to show us he's no longer in what's taking place so 
The second one is, and I'm coming back to that first one in a moment, but the second cause is disease, and that is really the sin in the camp. That somehow or the other we've allowed sin to creep in, and we're not dealing with it. Leaders, sometimes leaders are a little afraid to confront some of the sin because of some of the ramifications that may take place if they offend people or whatever the case may be. But uh, we, leadership has to be willing to face this, and we'll come back to that in a, in a little while. The third uh, reason is drag or hindrance, which is not necessarily sinful, but in actual fact, it's be it becomes an obstacle. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it, it actually differentiates between sin and these hindrances when it says this, let us throw off everything that hinders us. And then it goes on to say, and the sin that so easily entangles us. So what does God normally try to say in these circumstances? First one, he's no longer in it, the death one. That change could be in what and how we're doing things. That's what he's wanting from us. We're doing things that no longer God's no longer in. There may be a wrong emphasis. It may be the boring order of our services. It may be dictator-style leadership where we've got too strong uh, too controlling. It could be that God's wanting to change because we've become a one-man show and not a team ministry. And uh, sometimes it's just, uh, well, let me just say this, to just keep on doing what is no longer fruitful, to do it the same way as we've been doing it and, and no longer getting the, the, the fruitful results um, is, is, is almost insanity. We have to be willing to change. So if this, if you're not producing the fruit that God wants in, your, in and through your life, stop and ask yourself quickly, is this something that demands change? It could even actually be, I'm just looking here, I was going to move on to the next one. I knew there was just another thought. It could be that change is needed in the leadership. It could be that the visionary leader needs to move on and once again plant another church and move into the next phase of his ministry or that we need to bring other new leaders on or some other leaders need to go out and plant churches or make room for others. It could be changed. The second one is the sin in the camp and we just need to deal with it lovingly, graciously, by the wisdom of God, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, revelational knowledge as God shows us and helps us how to, to do what we should be doing, not ruthlessly, but some of the leadership sins, I thought I'd just point some of these things out that we, we're sometimes not even aware of that we've slipped into. And please don't let any of these bring condemnation. Let them bring conviction with hope and change. Some of those leadership quote sins. Dictatorship. Where we really are demanding and no longer gracious. Sometimes it's demanding from others. This could be another one. Demanding from others what we ourselves are not willing to, to do ourselves or give of ourselves. Sometimes it could be a thing like claiming to be something that we aren't. So often leaders do. They claim to be something that God hasn't made them and that they, they know they aren't, but they somehow just got so used to it. Another one could be exaggerating, overstating things. And that really is, in a, in a, in a very real sense, it's a subtle form of lying, spinning the truth. Others claim, and this so often happens, that, that God said something, God told them to do something, God told them to tell, to tell the people to do something when God didn't do it. 
And so often we'll just see that what God supposedly said, told us to do, it never ever happens. We never see the results and we've got to just change on that. Sometimes it could be claiming credit for someone else's revelation. These are just the subtle things that sometimes creep into our hearts and lives till we get so used to them we no longer... Re and God's saying, wait a minute, I'm trying to catch your attention. Another one could be sheep stealing. Another one could be church stealing. You could just read for yourself in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 through to 18. Read the message Bible on that one too. It brings out such a clear thing there. But sometimes people steal what isn't theirs, church-wise. It could be divisiveness. It could be jealousy. It could be being critical. But those are just some of the things that are sometimes leadership sins. Again, please don't let them bring condemnation, just conviction and repentance and change. And then moving to the third problem again, which was drag or hindrances, that something is hindering or dragging us back or dragging us down. Just find out what it is. Take some time as an eldership to sit before God and ask God, God, what is it that's stopping us from being as fruitful as we see the Word of God promises we should be? And then deal with it. It could be that we're being stingy, uh, ungenerous. So read 2 Corinthians chapters, chapters 8 and 9 about that. It could be that we're stingy with our resources, using them only on ourselves and our church and not sowing them out. And those resources could be people, it could be equipment, it could be facilities, it could be finances, it could be prayer, it could be helping struggling other churches um, and other pastors, it could be planting new churches. In other words, change from being a self-centered church to a world, God-available, other people base for God to use. Again, read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through to 8. Now, just to finish off this, because I see I've taken close to 15 minutes now, and I'm trying to keep these down 15, 20 minutes, no more than that. In fruitfulness is, for those of us who face this and say, all right, God, I'm willing to change. Here's some of the promises God has given to you, to us. They're in his word, they're there for eternity. My word shall not return unto me void. Remember this, not God's word will not change one jot or tittle. He says again, let me just remind you of this one we started with in John 15, 16. It says, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. In Psalm chapter, Psalm 1, I want to just quickly read the first three verses of that quickly to you. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. It says this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Part of the get before God with the word of God, wait upon God. And then he says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields for its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Now there's a promise. It yields its fruit in season. And then there's another one I'd just quickly like to read to you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 to 8. I'll just read this little part to you. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So become generous. Um, Romans chapter 7 verse 4, if you don't mind me quickly just reading this to you. Romans 7 4. Um, 
it says this and yeah, God, God's word says, So my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. You belong to him. He wants you to bear fruit. That's, that's the plan that he has for our lives. And then if we go just quickly to Colossians and uh, chapter 1. Um, sorry, I just want to turn this page over. Colossians 1. And I want to read to you just verses 9 and 10. I've just got two more scriptures quickly and we're through. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. It says this. For this reason, since the day we heard, this is Paul talking about what, what, what he prays about for the Colossian church. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. And so he goes on with that. But it's fruit and fruit that lasts. Second last scripture, Galatians chapter 5. Bearing in mind, just remember Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. That will be part of the life, our lives again too. The, the love, the joy, the peace, etc. But sorry, it's Galatians chapter 6 that I want to read to you, verses 8 and 9, where he says, The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will also reap, will receive, reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And you could read on in that and this is the last scripture I just want us to, to turn to quickly. It's one that I love. And, uh, I've stood upon that, brought it before God so many times, but it's in Isaiah 55, uh, 54, the first three verses. He says this, and this is God's response to our praise. He says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, Shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. So God's response to our praise, start to praise him, get back into faith. And he says, sing, and this is what I'll do. And then he says, and enlarge your, the tent, the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, that's going deep, foundationally. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their, desperate, their desolate cities. So, folk, please, in Jesus' name, sow again, sow for God, give it all you've got. And even where there's been barrenness, there will be fruitfulness. That's God's promise. Start to praise Him. Lift your head. Go for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you. God bless you.